Personally, from the editor, Pastor Dan Gaiman. All of us at the Kingdom Outpost in Western Missouri find it a tremendous honor to share God's precious word, heritage, family, and faith in the Watchmen. Without question, any publication that arrives in your homes is competing on a major scale for your time. Because reading is a commitment of your time, many find it difficult, if not impossible, to fit reading a publication like ours into their schedule. Many simply scan the headline stories, read the titles, look at any photos, and perhaps read letters to the editor. Maybe they will scan personally from the editor before they move on to something else. I want to thank those of you who actually do take the time to read at least some of the content. The truth of the matter is that generations born since 1990, a 30-year span, read less than previous generations. The millennial generation generally does not seem interested in the type of content we publish. They are accustomed to short messages, such as those found on podcasts. The smartphone allows them easy access to this rapid-fire communication of short soundbites. I can envision a time when publications like The Watchmen will simply lose their relevance. Not simply because people are moving on to faster means of digital information, but also the other factor that ultimately plays into this dilemma. The biblical worldview set forth in the pages of The Watchmen is light years separated from the worldview parroted by the woke generation growing up now in America. Thus, parents face the daunting challenge of capturing and retaining their children's interest in these timeless truths. Not only is teaching these precepts to our children a command, as Moses instructed in Deuteronomy, but it is a challenge and a daunting one at that. Our Christian duty is to teach the precepts of our God to every generation, for our children are our most important mission field. To our shame, Many fellow believers are convinced that we, as a whole, have dropped the ball in teaching these truths to our most beloved family, our very own children. Work hard to correct this terrible scenario, and let this not be said of you, dear friend, and fellow Christian Israelite. We must teach Jesus Christ and his gospel first and foremost. In any event, it is with a joyful heart that we send this watchman to you. May it serve God's greater purpose in your family's life. And beyond that, along with all the other faithfully printed pamphlets and newsletters, will help call a new generation of God's covenant people to study and learn the truth of our heritage and what a life of faithfulness, obedience, humility, and service to Jesus Christ entails. That is why we are on this earth. So, across the Caucasian regions of the earth, greetings to you our Israelite brethren. The Plight of Modern Israel Bible-believing Christians, alive, who truly love the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel and his kingdom, embrace the true identity of the biblical Israelites as one and the same with the European Caucasians who populated Europe, the British Isles, the Dominion of Canada, and the United States of America, Australia, New Zealand, portions of South Africa, and elsewhere are a mere remnant of the total white population that have survived in these once great nations. As you're surely aware, white people are declining to minority status in almost all of these white nations, including America and the West. Moreover, the prophetic time period called 
The time of Jacob's trouble clearly looms before us in just about every formerly white nation you can name. My hope is that the following brief survey will shed some light on why we are entering the time of Jacob's trouble. Look at Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Matthew chapter 24, verses 21 to 22. Leviticus chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 25 through 49. And Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 68. And Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 20. Since it is difficult to summarize the complete picture that has unfolded at neck-breaking speed since the end of World War II in 1945, I apologize for my deficiencies in attempting to do so. We, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob Israel, and countless millions of Israelites, now find ourselves in perilous times indeed. Never at any time in the illustrious history of biblical Israel has there been a more imperative need to humble ourselves before Almighty Jehovah and cry out for a divine intervention. We need the salvation of our God. Why? Because we live in an age when the United States of America and the West are suffering spiritual famine. We have lost so much. We have lost knowledge of our heritage and inheritance. We have lost the truth of God's holy word. We have lost truth in history. We have lost touch with our forebears. We have lost our direction, our sense of dominion, our sense of accomplishment, our sense of pride in our people and nation, etc. In fact, millions live in a state of nihilism, denying their own identity and aimlessly drifting without purpose or even the will to perpetuate themselves. White people have lost their own story and have no urge to prevail, to multiply, to reproduce themselves, to hold on to and sustain the great Christian and biblical infrastructure posited on the foundations of the one true sovereign God and the revelation of his word to his children in the Bible. That revelation began with the fiat creation of the universe and all that is therein and addressed clear gender distinction and roles between male and female, as our Creator God intended us to live. He had an original design and intent. Who are we to trifle with His creation and handiwork? How dare mankind be so arrogant as to think we can successfully change what God so marvelously created? We trifle with God's original design at our own risk. And in fact, we are seeing the judgments for daring to play with and alter God's creation, biblical marriage, a nuclear family, and statutory Bible law. And these are just the tip of the iceberg. It is from God and God alone that we derive any rights at all, especially life, liberty, and happiness. We are such an ungrateful people that these are not enough, that we have to demand that we know better and can conceive a better result. The majority of the Anglo, Saxon, Germanic, Scandinavian, Slavic peoples of the earth walk around in varying stages of degrees of moral rot and debauchery. Far too many live without moral boundaries, depraved and in spiritual inertia, oftentimes in a delusional mental state and approaching outright reprobation. 
The degeneration of the white race is appalling at best and reprehensible at worst. We are sinking morally into an abyss, like unto Sodom and Gomorrah. So many are not even able to discern the differences between a man and a woman. We profane God's definition of marriage, demand sexual pleasure, but deny conception of children. Discard the nuclear family, abandon the local church, flush the Ten Commandments down the toilet, and thumb our noses in denial of the existences of a holy God. Sexual perversion has become an obsession whose fruits are witnessed in the moral rot all around us. This includes homosexuality, pedophilia, bestiality, pornography, and other vile perversion too horrible to describe. Our spiritual and moral decline in America and the West is not without a corresponding plunge in our economic, political, social, and military power that once catapulted America and the West into the most exceptional and blessed nations on the planet. Political corruption, debasement of virtue, and a loss of statemanship have paralyzed all governments. The U.S. has relentlessly printed fiat paper currency backed by thin air. In fact, President Johnson debased our coins in 1965, and Nixon took the United States off the gold standard in 1971. Today, the U.S. flounders helplessly mired in $30 trillion of debt, suffering from hyperinflation and an endless quagmire of economic problems under the fiat money chokehold of the international Jewish bankers. Right now, the United States is floundering in our proxy war with Russia, being waged on the soil and at the expense of Ukraine. Millions echo the chorus of the fake news networks and live under delusion, not knowing how the U.S. and NATO have been laying the groundwork for this war since the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991. Ukraine is now the scene of mass destruction with the fruits of our foreign policy and pro-war mentality manifest everywhere. The comedian Jewish playboy Zelensky poses for the camera and enjoys celebrity status with his Anglo-Saxon wife while he watches his nation crumble and his people die from bullets, starvation, and homelessness. The U.S. has sent upwards of $60 billion in aid to Ukraine, while zombie politicians in the Democratic Party and rhinos stand pathetically intoxicated with their riches, all the while allowing the greatest foreign invasion in the history of the world into the mainland of the United States. The Promise of a Faithful Remnant in the midst of this morbid chaos, we the remnant stand upon the promises of our sovereign God. Sin-hating Christians who love God and fearlessly display openly their love for God, freedom, and our cherished heritage have lived in an unbroken continuity. Our future as Israelites rests on the unilateral, unconditional promise which God made with Abraham and his posterity, Isaac, Jacob Israel, and their descendants. This promise ensures that a godly remnant will always exist. From Romans chapter 11 verse 5. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Tens of thousands of God-fearing Americans devoted to belief in Jesus Christ have no knowledge of their biblical heritage 
because for too long, hireling preachers have hijacked the pulpits and suppressed truth. Americans have been lied to about the genetic reality of modern Jews and who God's chosen people truly are. Since 1948, hireling preachers have parroted the lie that Jesus Christ our Savior warned about in Revelation chapter 2 verse 9 and again in chapter 3 verse 9. He warned that a certain class of people he labeled as the synagogue of Satan would always masquerade as legitimate genetic descendants of biblical Israel, when indeed they are descendants of Esau, Edom, the Canaanites, and assorted other hybrid peoples found under the modern use of the name Jews. Remember this, if you can. Valid biblical Judeans are descendants of Judah, one of the twelve tribes of Israel. True Jews, or descendants of Judah, are Israel. All Judeans are Israelites, but not all Israelites are Judeans. Judah made up only one tribe among the people of Israel. The other 11 tribes are simply Israelites and never were Judeans, true Jews. In the United States of America and throughout the West, the people who are Caucasian without any mixture of the non-Adamite races are genetic Israel. These people share a common set of DNA and a racial heritage traits that can be traced in unbroken historical descent to ancient Israel. The people of the Bible. Remember this. The Bible was written to genetic Israel. White people. All 40 authors of the Old and New Testament were Israelites writing to their own kinsmen. In fact, there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible and every one of the approximately 31,102 words of the Bible are true and form the mosaic of true Israel's history and destiny. The Bible is the history of them alone and points to their ultimate destiny and restoration as the people for whom Jesus Christ died and for whom he will come again and rescue for his kingdom. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Many Christians numbered in the remnant do not know their heritage or their identity. Nonetheless, they love Jesus Christ, revere the Bible as the word of God, and do their best to walk in the light they have been given. Christians numbered in the remnant, Church of God, have retained their genetic heritage, even amidst their blindness and ignorance. Many have continued to discourage the sin of miscegenation. Their blood remains undiluted untouched by the thundering herd of multiracial, hybrid, diverse people occupying the soil of America. Many of these people, through no fault of their own, are the offspring of good people that in stupidity and idiocy diluted their white genetics by breeding racially mixed children. Many of these poor offspring share so many contrasting racial features that their true genetic origin is unidentifiable. They find themselves in the same dilemma as a Ford or Chevy. They are made up of assorted parts from the U.S., Mexico, China, and perhaps other unknown places, so their genetics can be traced to two or three distinct races. Finally, allow me to give this example of a tiny microcosm of the remnant in America. On May 17, 2016, Franklin Graham held his Decision America Day at noon on the steps of the state capitol in Jefferson City, Missouri. I traveled with a carload of 
Israelite Christians and witnessed this event. Some 6,700 Caucasian Christians from rural Missouri gathered for an hour amid a chilly spring day with heavy rain falling. During this 50-state tour, Franklin Graham encouraged people to get out and vote for the candidate who reflected the most Christian and pro-America platform. This crowd of about 6,700 people was soaked to the bone from standing in the pouring rain, with most of them lacking umbrellas. Pro-Trump signs were on display throughout the crowd. I myself left with my clothes soaked, and concerned that I would end up with a bad cold. I cannot tell you how inspiring that whole day was to me. Praying and singing with that group of people was such an encouragement, one of the best inspirational times in my life. Graham spent a total of $9 million on advertising and holding these gatherings in the 50 states. The attempt to launch phase two of the pandemic. Then, midway through 2022, billionaire Edomite elitists launched the great COVID-19 reset, having laid the foundations for this much earlier. Klaus Schwab, a billionaire Jew and founder of the World Economic Forum, co-authored the book with Thierry Malleret Schwab, organized the World Economic Forum in Cologne, Switzerland in 1971. Membership in this organization consisted of men such as Bill Gates and other Edomite billionaires. Some of them are from the group of more than 500 billionaires who grew so rich during the first phase of the pandemic when they harvested billions from manufacturing the COVID-19 vaccines. This poisonous protein gene therapy has killed millions around the world and left tens of thousands of injured people. Still, an unknown number will likely see their lives end as a result of this worldwide experimental vaccine, the largest mass vaccine project ever attempted in the history of the world. Its consequences are nothing less than cataclysmic. No other plague ever impacted every continent and nation under heaven. This vaccine accomplished far more death and bodily harm than the infectious COVID-19 itself ever could have. The coronavirus was on the order of a highly infectious seasonal flu, capable of taking the lives of a large number of elderly people and those with seriously compromised health conditions, somewhat typical of any seasonal flu outbreak. The man-made vaccine orchestrated in the Wuhan Biolab in China was designed to make way for the protein vaccine injection to follow. If the U.S. and other nations had simply allowed this virus to run its course, it would have spread through the population rapidly, and the vast majority of people, except those previously cited, would have survived. Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and a few dozen other well-organized cabals of billionaire oligarchs have a plan to reorganize the economic, political, and social order of every nation on earth. This is the final push to build a makeover of the old world order, first launched at the Tower of Babel, and tried unsuccessfully throughout history into a new makeover. The World Economic Forum provides a perfect cover for these rich oligarch Jews and their billionaire proselytes. Look to Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. 
Marxist elitists have carefully outlined their goals for what they call the Great COVID-19 Reset. These plans replaced with a lot of detail that can be summarized in the following short resume. These plans are not to be understood of as something these billionaire oligarchs seek to implement. They're already pushing them. And the COVID virus, with all their variants following by the experimental potentially lethal injection of a protein gene therapy, has set in motion all of their most coveted goals in the first phase. The neo-Marxist conditions at least half of the world's population to accept Marxist, communist-style, totalitarian government from the top down, using fear, panic, and the highly infectious coronavirus, they condition people to accept a terrible economic interruption and a suspension of human rights and freedoms that people around the world have long enjoyed. They succeeded in taking control of the United States presidential election in 2020, stealing the election from Donald Trump and installing a Marxist government in the United States. They loosed the virus from Wuhan, China, to make the way for the experimental vaccines that Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson pushed. In the aftermath of this worldwide experimental protein vaccine program, millions have died across the world, and millions continue to die from the harmful effects of the vaccine. Midway through 2021, elitist oligarchs launched Phase 2 of the 2020 pandemic outlined in the 2019 book, The Great COVID-19 Reset, by Klaus Schwab, founder of the World Economic Forum, and Theory Mallory. A summary of phase two of the pandemic follows. Introduce additional viruses as a means of keeping people conditioned for Marxist rule. Release the viruses whenever it is advantageous for global elitist oligarchs, who is surprised that the national media is buzzing about the latest pathogen, monkeypox? In concert with the United Nations, the World Economic Forum will implement the 2030 goals. These consist of a general plan to wean America and the world from fossil fuels and use alternative forms of energy. 2030 is the year that they propose will have no more vehicles using fossil fuels, but battery-powered vehicles. How well will that work for farmers and farm equipment? What a joke. Speaking of farmers, the new economic social order has prioritized agriculture as a primary goal for transformation. With their proposed end of fossil fuels, reduction in fertilizers, and sky-high diesel prices, smaller farmers likely will be forced into bankruptcy, allowing global elitists to buy up their land and take it out of production. This author thinks their goal is to end private ownership of property. The WEF oligarchs have been seriously reducing beef and poultry production in America and the Western world, wanting us to consume synthetic food. Another goal of the WEF is the complete transformation of the monetary system. A cashless society with digital currency seems to be their obvious goal. Personal privacy will be phased out. A social credit tracking score profiles everyone regarding their daily habits, buying, selling, social posting, and every part of their lives. All free speech 
and digital platforms will be monitored and controlled. Food shortages will be showing up toward the end of 2022. Famine is intended to further reduce world population levels. What the Christian Remnant Must Know Billionaire oligarchs in the World Economic Forum will continue to facilitate their plan for totalitarian global control, eventually including as many of the pure Israelites in the world. Israelites constitute a majority of white people. In fact, the reduction of the white race is high on the agenda of the elitists. Regarding the composition of the white population of America and the nations of the West, always remember what scripture teaches. Abraham's seed was to be as multitudinous as the stars of the sky. Genesis 15 verse 5 And Abraham promised Rebekah that she would become the mother of thousands of millions. Genesis 24 verse 60 Further, the prophet Isaiah also witnessed to the multiplicity of Israel on the world stage. In Isaiah chapter 27 verse 6 He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud, and fill the face of the world with fruit. It might also be wise to ponder the inspired words of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 13 through 17. One of the primary points for Moses' passage is this. Israel was prophesied to be the most exceptional and blessed people on earth because of the covenantal blessings bequeathed upon them in the unilateral, unconditional covenant which Jehovah made with Abraham. The seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Israel were destined to be the people through whom God would exercise dominion and rule unto the ends of the earth. Look at Psalm chapter 59, verse 13. As you peer through the prism of biblical prophecy, our eternal God is bound by unconditional covenants that he made with his people Israel. As long as the sun, moon, and stars continue to remain, his people will remain a nation. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35 through 36. And in Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 19 through 22, we see assurance that if it were possible to break the covenant of day and night, we should no longer be in existence then what would be broken but the unconditional covenant that Jehovah made with David, that David would never cease to have an heir ruling from his throne? What about the Levites? Jehovah promised that Levites would never cease to minister before the living God. In fact, Israel's existence on this earth will never cease. God will always preserve a remnant. This is the truth of Scripture. No power on earth and no human-generated evil can wipe out the people of Israel from this earth. We remain under the cover and protection of our mighty God. Our future is His, and His alone to bless or to punish. But no matter what, He will never extinguish His people from the earth because He promised He would not. While we might deserve such punishment for our backsliding, remember what the prophet Isaiah said regarding Israel. From Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. 
Because of Jehovah's righteousness and promises, his word will never fail. He deserves the praise and glory and reverence. Fasten your seatbelts. People living in the United States of America and across the West can be likened to thrill seekers who just boarded the wildest roller coaster imaginable. Similarly, what we face will be the most tumultuous ride imaginable. Buckle your seatbelt with the truth of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to your faith. Fortitude, careful planning, hard work, wearing the full armor of God, and being proactive. These are the qualities required of those who wish to survive and thrive amidst the chaos around us. Another scenario to help you get the picture is this. Suppose you lived in the year 1912, and you found yourself aboard the sinking Titanic. Would you, like so many of those passengers who were too busy playing cards, dancing, and drinking, refuse to acknowledge the reality of the sinking ship, and instead engage in frivolity? Or would you take time to face reality and place your children and loved ones on the lifeboat? I hope you would be in the latter category, because America, the great titanic of nations, is rapidly sinking. Dangers aboard the U.S. Titanic Because we have rejected God, broken his covenants, scorned his laws, blasphemed his name, and contented ourselves with fun and games, curses and dangers face us on every hand. Our nation is being destroyed because of our spiritual bankruptcy and moral rot. America's soul is seared. We no longer fear God. So, a collective state of depravity, delusion, and mental illness has overwhelmed us. The punishments levied this once Christian Israelite nation are legion, and will last until we the people prostrate ourselves before our holy God and cry out for divine intervention. If that cry never comes, woe unto us. Our nation will be numbered among the graveyard of nations. However, our sovereign God will save his covenant remnant and put them in his ark of refuge. So what are the possible punishments we face? Number one, massive energy crisis. At minimum, a roving loss of electrical power. And at best, a rationing of the electrical current. Number two, reducing the number of fossil fuel-powered vehicles and pushing electric-powered vehicles. Number three, expect increasing gasoline and diesel prices. Number four, severe fertilizer shortages with supply chains broken across the global commercial world. Number five, lack of seeds necessary for growing crops. Number six, resulting food shortages that may well bring famine and disease to much of the world. Number seven, man-made pathogens that bring plagues to reduce the population globally. Number eight, totalitarian rule, already advancing across America and the West since the launching of the pandemic in March of 2020. Number nine, government-run big tech companies that come under the thumb of the oligarchs and their new Green Deal. Number 10, censoring of free speech and monitoring of cell phones and social media platforms. Number 11, deflation of the dollar with digital currency replacing the dollar. In the U.S., silver was taken out of the flow of coins in 1965. 
gold was pulled from the U.S. money in 1971. As we speak, politicians continue to mount a tremendous debt load. Cash buying will end before you know it, and every monetary transaction will be monitored. Jehovah gave America a reprieve with the election of Donald J. Trump in November of 2016. Yes, I believe Trump became President of the United States by divine appointment as a reprieve from Marxist communism. The man worked tirelessly to return the country to some semblance of what it once was. Millions never recognized Donald Trump as being someone our sovereign God would raise up. Millions of deceived Christians were looking for someone willing to negotiate peace with the left-wing Marxists and not war. More in the order of Mike Pence. They did not understand that God gave them a warrior, a man very much like Jehu, from Kings chapter 9, verse 10. Trump was a crass, rough-hewn, thick-skinned warrior who, like Jehu, and being far from perfect, possessed tremendous courage and resolve to meet the enemy at the gate. Trump loved America and would sacrifice much personally for the country that had been good to him, but far too many people simply did not like the man. What a pity. For this included far too many white, upper-middle-class people living content in their luxuries and seeking their pleasure in suburbs all across America. The rest is history. I have a good idea of what I'm talking about because I received some blistering, withering letters from people I have known for the decades because I have supported Trump beginning in June 16, 2015, when he announced that he would throw his hat into an already packed field of Republicans. People who had been long-standing friends cut me off at the knees and broke communication with me over my support of this president. So be it. Get inside the ark. This is a metaphor that simply says it's time to heed the warning that our sovereign God has given. Prepare an ark to the saving of your house and get in it. Do not be afraid to step outside the box and live by the drumbeat of God's word rather than the cultural norms of the 21st century America. Be part of the image-bearing people whom Jehovah created. Be fruitful and replenish from the Hebrew for fill up the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Find your purpose and get on with it. We are called to be fruitful and multiply, not simply add children. God wants families with many children. Multiplication demands numbers. God did not invent and does not condone contraceptives. He alone knows when and how many children should be born to a couple. God's original design for marriage is that it provided the family structure in which children are conceived, reared, trained, educated, and prepared to take dominion. The male and the female, each in their respective God-appointed roles, marriage, family, and children, constitute the three building blocks of God's original design to bring order out of chaos. The local church, community, and local government rises from this most basic infrastructure. Without marriage, multiplicity of children and family, no civilization can survive, nor will any new ones arise. Dominion of the earth is the end result of this biblical paradigm. 
The first earth and all its inhabitants, everything that breathed, was destroyed in the global judgment of Noah's flood. All of the earth that is under heaven was covered, every square inch of it. The only offspring from Adam and Eve left alive was Noah and his family, eight souls. Of course, there were representatives of all flesh that breathed. This would have included the representatives of all the original and distinctly separated races that God created in the beginning when he called his creation very good, from Genesis 31. Noah was greeted with an entirely new world when he stepped out of the ark. What is relevant for the discussion at hand is that Jehovah gave Noah and his family essentially the same call to dominion that he had first given to Adam. From Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of you, and the dread of you, shall be upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. This call to dominion is much like the original mandate from Genesis 1 verse 28, except for the exclusion of the world subdue. Stepping into the post-flood world, Noah was again given the divine protocol for finding meaning and purpose in life in a plan that did not deviate from the call to dominion God gave Adam. Noah and his sons were also called to be fruitful and multiply children. Children require a specific kind of structure. A father and mother united in covenantal union and sharing the same worldview. Families are building blocks for local churches, which then provide the spiritual and moral support that families need. It's a symbiotic relationship that together provides the foundation for the most basic unit of civil government. This same formula for dominion is what God intends for all remnant Christians today as we execute this call to dominion, even with seemingly insurmountable obstacles. To be frank, the United States is laboring under divine sanctions, and we in the remnant are not free from feeling this sting of judgment. No Israelite nation can reject the living God, break his covenants, scorn his laws, repudiate his moral law, and blaspheme his name without facing extreme judgment. We can pray that this punishment will be unto reformation and amendment of life, not unto the wrath of our holy God. The death plague continues. In January of 2020, when the U.S. began to reel under the exploding coronavirus and the lockdown and economic sanctions that followed in this national emergency, the CDC initially announced that the United States could suffer the loss of 1.2 to 2.5 million people. Who isn't saddened by the thousands upon thousands of victims this virus and vaccine have claimed? Even multiple thousands who have not died still labor under the negative and sometimes life-changing effects of the vaccine that the health gods have pushed upon the world's population. Hundreds of thousands of these people continue to suffer across America and throughout the world. God bless the many souls who sacrifice jobs and family income to save themselves from this potentially lethal injection. And may God have mercy upon those poor souls who made the terrible decision to inject themselves with an experimental vaccine. Time is marshalling the evidence to prove 
that this was a planned epidemic that was launched from a man-made virus in a biolab in Wuhan, China, with the end goal of reducing and controlling world population. This virus was treatable with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and supporting medicines. The CDC protested these time-tested medicines, so lives that could have been saved were lost. Delusional thinking quickly seized the nation. Elected leaders at every level of government, state, county, and local municipalities stepped aside and let the non-elected health officials lead at the urging of the CDC, which of course urged the lockdown of the country and suspension of personal freedoms. One brave Deborah stood strong, Christy Noem, governor of South Dakota. God bless her for resisting and choosing freedom over fear, panic, and deception and the experimental protein injections that followed, which are proving to have been at least as dangerous as the virus itself. While it's impossible to know the total worldwide death count from the coronavirus and the vaccine that followed, VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, is responsible for tabulating and keeping the score of the deaths and adverse reactions of this disease. However, they have only information that is voluntarily provided them by various entities within the United States. Thus, an accurate death count or adverse reaction count may never be ascertained. But estimates range to upwards of 25 million. Upside down family trees. Plunging birth rates, record families across Europe now averaging 1.3 children per family, far below replacement levels. This trend is coming to America. For at least two generations now, families have downsized, creating an inverted family tree. Families are unwilling to sacrifice and have children. For this reason, the future of Europe is moving rapidly towards Eurabia, with Muslims constituting the population base of Europe. What a travesty. The birth rate in America has likewise plunged, with the birth rate of 1.6 per family, far below replacement levels. In another 20 years, the white population of America will be reduced to a minority, all because people refuse to sacrifice and bear children. At the risk of ridicule, I'm asking parents of young men who are old enough to marry and bear children but remain single to look in the mirror and ask themselves why God put them on this earth. Parents who want to please God need to urge their sons to find a job that will support a wife and family, find a good woman of European heritage who loves children, and raise a family that will bring meaning, purpose, and a legacy to your life. Be strong, parents and talk boldly to your unmarried sons, to parents with married children who remain childless without good reason. Tell them that you want grandchildren, and lots of them. Tell them that if they do not want to have children, you'll find a noble white Christian couple that is producing well-disciplined children to receive your estate when you die. Marriage has one single great purpose, to produce children. I do not want to solemnize any marriage where the young couple does not plan to have children. Think about it. Choose joy, not despair. 
I hope each of us never loses our ability to laugh and enjoy life. After all, our Creator Himself endorsed a merry heart and frowned upon a person who dwells in sadness and despondency. A healthy lifestyle is one that always remembers that the eternal God is sovereign over His universe and over everything and everyone. If you are sad or despairing, remember the words of Jesus Christ recorded in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29-31. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Take comfort, and try to choose joy. The same God who created you also created the lowly sparrow, and will carry you through your trials, just as he does the sparrow that falls to the ground. He knows your needs, even before you do. Look up to God, and those dark clouds may part to reveal God's glory and blessing upon your life. Be patient and wait upon God. Pray, smile, and choose joy. Things will get better. And now a funny story. The Atheist and the Lion There was an atheist walking in the jungle, and all of a sudden he saw this lion among the trees of the forest. As he looked, he saw the lion turn and head toward him. He started running like crazy, scared to death. As he glanced back, he saw the lion's jaws open, revealing its teeth in horrific splendor. The atheist screamed, Oh God, save me! In an instant, time became frozen, and a bright light shines down from above. The man was motionless before the lion when he heard the voice of God say, You are an atheist. Why do you call upon me when you do not believe in me? Aghast, and knowing he could not lie, the man replied, Well, that's true. I don't believe in you, but how about the lion? Can you make the lion believe in you? The Lord replied, As you wish. The light retracted back into the heavens, and the man could feel the lion's roar once again. As the atheist looked back, he could see the gaping jaws of the lion start to close on him, when all of a sudden, the lion stopped and pulled back. Shocked, the man looked at the lion as the large beast closed its eyes, bowed his head, and said, Thank you, Lord, for this meal that I am about to receive. The poem, Sin. Sin is a monster of such awful mien, that to be hated needs but to be seen. But seen too oft, familiar with face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. Follow this pathology of sin is how America became afflicted with the sin of birth contraceptives, no-fault divorce, abortion, sodomy, lesbianism, same-sex marriage, gender blending, sex education in public schools, critical race theory, the 1619 Project, and our plunge into the woke culture. Pithy Bits of Wisdom There is no finish line in living and serving God. Just keep running until God says, that's all. Present choices determine future consequences. The most satisfying work? Helping others. The ugliest personality trait? 
Selfishness. The most endangered species. White children. Our greatest national resource. Children. The greatest boost for self-confidence. Encouragement. The greatest problem to overcome. Fear. The most powerful force on earth. Love. The most incredible computer on earth. Your brain. The worst thing to ever be without. Hope. The deadliest weapon on earth. The tongue. The two most power-filled words. I can. The most worthless emotion. Self-pity. The greatest personal asset. Faith. The most powerful form of communication. Prayer. The most beneficial and contagious emotion to share. Enthusiasm. That's all, folks. Dear readers, we extend our humble sense of gratitude to you wonderful people who have made this issue of Watchmen possible. We pass no collection plates, charge no subscription for this publication, and make no appeals for financial donations. The Church of Israel has never incurred any debt, so if there were no funds available, patience became a necessity virtue. This ministry belongs to Jesus Christ, and it is his to continue or shut down. Having said that, I would be most remiss if I failed to acknowledge and thank our eternal God, by whose grace we are able to function over so many years. Please receive our gratitude, and allow me to thank Jesus Christ for the people he has used to make this publication possible. We are humbled to be stewards of God's marvelous kingdom gospel and praise him for every blessing. We have but one mission on this earth, that is, the search and rescue of the lost sheep whom Jesus Christ came to save. In the words of the Apostle Peter, may all of his sheep be diligent to make their calling and election sure. Signed, Pastor Dan Gaiman.